Well, we are in the last week of what uh, has turned into a pretty long series. Um, for some of you, it's been a good series. I've heard um, quite a bit of feedback on things that have been very beneficial. Um, and uh, even, even people talking about going back and listening to different parts multiple times. Um, which, man, must, something must be striking a chord there. For some of you, um, this may have been some of the longest series in the history of the church, as <laughs> you're like, good Lord, can we get on to something else? Um, because we've been talking about things that um, either, A, you know, maybe you're one of the lucky people who the things we've been talking about in dealing with family um, just hasn't been an issue. Maybe you had a great family and things are good. And um, if that's you, I'm so happy for you. Um, that's not most people, just by the nature of what families are. There's usually some things that you have to deal with. Um, but a reason this may have been long for some people is because it's kind of forced you to think about things you've really worked hard to not think about and to do some things that you've really uh, put effort into not doing and trying to suppress feelings. Um, and, and you've been kind of uh, put, put, put to the test a little bit. Um, as far as what you're going to be willing to um, admit to yourself and um, possibly do to remedy some of the things we've been talking about. Um, but many of us, we've had some family experiences uh, that, that have caused pain for some of us, um, anger that may linger uh, over some things that have happened, heartache, uh, sadness. And um, what I've learned and if I'm honest and open with you, it, what I'm in the process uh, of learning in my personal life is that when you've had an experience like that, if those emotions are left undealt with, um, if you just kind of bury them and try and be done with them, um, history is going to repeat itself, which is how, as we've been talking about for the last several weeks, is how these traditions get handed down from generation to generation in families um, that are behaviors and approaches to things that are not healthy, that cause damage. And somehow, instead of any generation stepping in and stopping it, we just pass those things down and keep doing it. And the reason is because the emotion of the past, if left undealt with, becomes the emotion of the present. Even when the source of that emotion that happened in the past is long gone, or you haven't been around them in a long time, that emotion still exists in the present. And the desire to get even in the past, like that becomes the desire to get even in the present. And the desire to pay back in the past begins to affect relationships in our present if we don't take active steps to deal with those things. And as insensitive as it would be, for someone to listen to, to your story, if you've got one of those stories where you have some hurt and pain in the past, as insensitive as it would be for you to tell the story and somebody to look at you and just be like, well, you just got to forgive them. I mean, there's some of us who, who our stories are like, the, the idea of even considering that just seems like a step too far. Like, no, 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 no. Did you hear what they did? Did you hear how they treated me? Did you hear the years of, of, of pain and struggle I've had since? Don't say to me, you just need to forgive them because that's pretty insensitive. And the truth is though, in order to break from the negative traditions, that is in order to keep from taking the things that affected you in a negative way and, and passing them on to the next generation and those who are coming beyond you is really 
forgiveness. It's not the, it's not the, the, the only tool to use, but it is the primary tool. And the reason that this is so critical is that the hurt and the anger and the angst that you carry from your past becomes a conduit of emotion, for emotion, to flood into your present. Think about it this way. As I was trying to think of the best example I could um, to explain how this dynamic of past hurt affecting current situations is, is imagine I did something and I hurt my shoulder. And it's just, I mean, even just to the touch, it hurts. Can't lift it anything. If you came up to me and you patted me on this shoulder and said, how you doing? I'd be like, good. You come up and you hit me on this shoulder and ask how I'm doing? Like, I'm gonna react and you're not even gonna get the sentence out before I like have some kind of reaction to you that's gonna cause you to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was just asking a question, why the reaction? And even though you're not the person that caused the hurt and the wound that I have on my shoulder, you're the one that's unlucky enough to kind of bump into it. And regardless of where it came from, it exists. And when you bump into it, you feel the ramifications from me for doing that. And those wounds and those emotions that we carry from the past are the same way. There are things that that we have some emotional damage from that. And the people around us, unbeknownst to them, not even doing anything that's damaging, just in the normal course of life, will bump up against those things and we react and all of a sudden they're just like, whoa, where did that come from? And you hear them say, you know, you hear them say things like, oh, whoa, whoa. like all I was saying was this. I didn't mean anything by it. I was, and you wonder where that, that reaction came from and why you had that reaction. And the answer is, is because there, there's an unhealed wound. There are raw emotions that you haven't actively dealt with. And those things affect your current situation. And, and percentages would say, that there are people in this room with unhealed wounds from the past. Things that, that, that are affecting you now that you've never actually dealt with the emotions of them. And that has been an avenue that those wounds undealt with has been an avenue to emotions that have manifested themselves in your current relationships. And even though the people sitting next to you or the people in your home and in your family maybe might not have been the ones to cause it without meaning to, the anger and the hurt of those things in the past pour out on the people around you in your present. Because it's the people who are close to us that bump into those things. Um, Now, the problem with forgiveness is this, is that forgiveness is extremely counterintuitive. Um, it's as if, if you just look at it on the service, it's as if you're giving um, the person who hurt you a gift. It's like, you know, when you look at it, you're like, man, this person already, you know, whatever they robbed me of my childhood, took took my sense of confidence away from me, ruined my self-image. And now... I'm supposed to look at them and say, oh, well, after doing all that, I want to go ahead and give you a gift, the gift of forgiveness. Because my natural reaction, and I'm sure most of your natural reactions are, "Mm, no, you harmed me. And I don't need to move in your direction. You're, You're the one that needs to move in my direction. 
You're the one that needs to initiate. And I, and I want to give you a couple ideas maybe to help you um, grapple with this idea a little bit today. But when you think of the hurt in your past, um, it's very helpful to think of it in specific terms as to what did they take from me? And what do they owe me? Um, because when somebody does something wrong, that's really how we think about it. They owe me something. Most of the time, if, if we just put it into a simple phrase, when somebody does something, we would look at them and say, you owe me an apology, right? Because you feel you're owed something. And like the apology is kind of like the, the baseline least they could do, whatever. But we, we feel we're owed something. Um, here's some other things that, that you may have experienced that you, you feel people might owe you if you get real specific about what they took. You, you, might, you might owe it to me to come back. If you've got a parent that left, and left the family in a tough situation, you, you may be like, well, you owe it to me to come back. You owe it to me to spend more time with me. You owe it to me to um, admit you were wrong. Anybody ever wait for somebody to pay that debt? Yeah. Uh, you owe it to me to um, stay clean or to treat me with respect. Or you owe it to me to accept me the way that I am. You, you owe it to me to acknowledge my achievements. Or, or maybe you've had bad marriage experiences and you've had been in that spot where you say, you owe it to me to honor your vows. And when you look back on painful events, you'll find that there, there's a sense of something very specific that has been taken from you. And, and the thing that generates the anger and the resentment is when the person makes no effort to pay back what they took from you. What in all reality, if you're looking at an even scale, what they owe you and they make no effort. And as long as you're holding on to this emotion, anybody, anybody who bumps up against that area of hurt, anybody who, who comes even close to doing something that triggers those emotions that are tied to that event are going to feel, catch the heat of those emotions as they pour out of you. Now, here's a thing that makes it really difficult for us is that there is a natural tendency within all of us for, for revenge, right? There's a natural tendency in all of us to pay people back for the things that they've done to us. Um, you know, it, some of us have tried. Anybody wanna be honest? You've tried, to, you've tried to get back at people for things. Yeah, it doesn't make you feel better, does it? Like, because either A, like, you're not successful at paying them back, and then there's just like that double angst, like, oh, I didn't, yeah, that's not at all how I thought that was gonna go. Or maybe you are successful and it just doesn't make you feel better. In fact, it makes you feel worse, right? So, some of you may have, some of you have maybe never actually tried, but you've played the plan in your head a lot, right? And you've had the arguments in your head and you've placed the position of those arguments in public so that when you say just the exact right, perfect thing, like everyone watching just watches them just melt under the just complete flame burn you just delivered and in your head, it's so great. Now you've never actually done it, but that's active in your head. You play those things over and over again. Um, 
Uh, uh, other of us, you know, maybe we just don't have the guts to do something like that, even if we really wanted to. But most of us, most of us don't, and I, and I, I would hope it, I would hope it's because of our faith. You know, like, oh, that's just not the right thing to, you know, be going and getting revenge and trying to get people back. And even though we, we don't try to actively hurt the person who hurt us, there's still not healing happening. And even though we're not like actively trying to get back at them, there's still that, that pain that we carry, right? And isn't it true? If you want to be honest with yourself, isn't it true that when there's a situation and somebody's hurt you and wronged you and made no effort and you're not trying to get back at them, but you're still dealing with that and something bad happens to them, isn't it true that like, you're like, you know, maybe, maybe verbally right away, you're like, oh no, I hate to hear that. Tell, tell me more, <laughs> right? Give me some details. I mean, so I know how to pray for them, right? Give me... <laughs> Oh, we want to, we want, I want to pray for them. So, so give me the details of what happened, you know? And we, we kind of mm, take maybe a little joy. And listen, that thing inside of you that wants to hurt that person, that wants to get back, wants to get even, ultimately, that emotion and that drive is only going to affect the people close to you. That's all that it will. And so the good news is, is that we aren't the first piece, person to deal with this. This is an age-old problem. In this passage that we're going to look at today, um, Jesus gives us the clearest picture uh, of our expectations when it comes to this issue. And if you can walk away with just a couple insights that we can get out of this passage this morning, um, and then spend some time dwelling on those and how they apply to your life, uh, there's progress to be made in not handing down the negative traditions that have been handed to you. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. And in this passage, Jesus has just given this public talk um, that, that basically is what you're supposed to do if someone offends you. And he goes through, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to them and try and settle it. And if, if they don't accept it and they're not willing to do it, take a witness and do it that way. And he kind of kind of gives this layout of what you're supposed to do. And while he's giving this talk, Peter is kind of on the sidelines. He's listening. And as he's listening, he's kind of contemplating, thinking what's going on. And apparently it reminded Peter of a situation in his life. Because as soon as Jesus was done talking about, look, here's what you're supposed to do if somebody offends you, he's got a question. And his question reveals his confusion about the nature of forgiveness. And for many of us, his question may reveal our confusion around the issue of forgiveness. So Matthew chapter 18 Verse 21, this is right after Jesus gave his talk. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Now, there's an assumption in his question. What is, what is assumption? And his assumption really is probably one that most all of us have as well. His assumption is by forgiving I am doing that person a favor. From the way he phrases the question is, well, how, how many times do I have to do this? The implication is, how many times do I have to do this for them? Right, how, how many times do I, so yes, how, how many? How many times do I have to be the good guy? How many times do I have to be the bigger person? How many times do I have to just, you know, 
ignore my hurt and my anger and my, you know, emotions and all right, do this for them. How many? And then he kind of gives a number that I think he thinks is a really large number, kind of on the end of this question. He says, how many times do I have to do this? Up to seven times? And I don't know where he came up with seven. You know, seven's like the perfect number. I don't know. You know, that actually seemed to be really generous to him, I think, seven times. Maybe if we think about it and somebody has continually wronged us, maybe we think seven is pretty generous as well. But his confusion is this, is that he sees forgiveness as something that benefits exclusively the offender at the cost of the offendee. And so he sees a limit there. There's gotta be a point, Jesus, where enough is enough. There's gotta be a point where I'm not expected to extend to them this forgiveness any longer. And then Jesus, in his absolute Jesus characteristic way, he launches into this story um, that as soon as he starts telling it, the disciples, I'm pretty sure, were just like, oh man, here come another one of these stories. Because when he went to tell these stories, they had a tendency to seem like Jesus kind of just ignored the question, just started talking about something that was completely unrelated. So by this point, they're probably like, okay, if we stick with it just a minute, we'll be able to maybe figure out how to tie this all back together. But he he launches into this story. Verse 22, Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. A number that seems completely unrealistic. Nobody is gonna forgive anybody 77 times. And then he launches into this story. And the interesting thing about this story is it's a whole story about forgiveness, um, but the word forgiveness never appears in the story, which is a fascinating way for him to go about it. But the essence of forgiveness permeates the entire thing. Verse 23 says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, remember, Jesus is making this story up. This story didn't happen. 10,000 bags of gold now is a lot of money. Back then, 10,000 bags of gold was unimaginable. Like no single person who wasn't an emperor or king that had collected all the wealth of a nation together could have this type of money. Too much money could not be paid back. Since he was not able to pay, which everybody listening to the story is like, oh yeah, of course he's not. Able. That'd be like me starting out a story and be like, there was a guy brought before the mayor who owed a gazillion, trillion, billion, zillion dollars. And you're like, how many dollars? I don't know. And he couldn't pay it back. And you're like, well, of course he couldn't pay it back. This is the equivalent of what Jesus did. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Essentially, the the king goes, well, I'm not getting my money back, so I'm going to cut my losses. He's like, split up the family, sell them off, sell what they got. I'm going to get what I can and just move on. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Was that a realistic request? No. No. King could have been patient till both of their times on earth was done. 
And the guy could not have paid it back. But the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. King looked at the servant and made a decision. He said, all right, you do not owe me anymore. Which is our key phrase for the day. You do not owe me. In fact, why why don't you all practice saying that with me? Here we go. You do not owe me. Well, this side was pretty good. I need a little more. Maybe this is, maybe I need to do this. (laughs) You do not owe me. And and the servant is thinking like in that moment when the king says that to me, the servant's probably thinking like, well, yeah, I most certainly do owe you. Like I've borrowed a lot from you. But the king says, no, 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 no. I'm making the decision from now on. You do not owe me. You are free to go. Now at this point, Peter's trying to figure out what Jesus is talking about because the disciples know that in all of these stories, like there's different roles. They know, okay, God's got a role. I've got a role. You know, there's a, who's the roles. And so Peter's probably wondering like, okay, well, am I the king in this one? Because I asked about forgiving somebody else and how many times and the king is the one doing the forgiveness. You know, who am I? I think, I think I'm the king. But Jesus keeps going. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now, you can tell from the way Jesus has described what's owed. 10,000 bags of gold, 1,000 coins, silver. You know, those those are not the same thing. Not even close. But here's the point is that that amount of silver that Jesus said, that, that, that was a significant amount. At that juncture, that was probably about four months of wages for those guys. So he found them. He says, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. And what the servant begs him sounds very familiar. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. Now, the guy that, that, that had been forgiven by the king and now was asking for his silver from his fellow servant, he should have recognized, wait, 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 this guy's asking for the same thing I asked for. But, but there was a difference because the guy, the second guy, he might've actually been able to pay it back. Had he received patience, he wasn't asking for a forgiveness of the loan. He's saying, no, give me patience, patience. I can pay it back, which might've happened. But he, the first servant, he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, which meant he was thrown into prison forever because you can't make money to pay a debt in prison. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled, two really key words. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers, not just to be jailed till he could pay it back, but to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. 
And Peter probably was like, wait a minute. Wait, 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 Jesus. Like, that isn't where this is supposed to go. That's not how this is supposed to work, right? Because if somebody, if somebody offends me, Jesus, you're supposed to be on my side, right? You're, you're supposed to be with me so I can sick you on them, right? Get them. They, yeah, they did me wrong, right? And wait, Jesus, if I understand this story correctly, even though, might I remind you, I offered a very generous seven times forgiveness, if I'm to understand this story correctly, I'm the wicked servant, that ain't right. I mean, I, I'm trying to be magnanimous and forgive people seven times. Jesus, why are you calling me an evil servant? And then, and then you tell this story and I get it. God's the king and God has forgiven me. And so, you know, and then I don't forgive this other guy and I'm the wicked servant. But listen, I was just really asking how many times? I'm not sure what you've done here, Jesus. And the whole thing just kind of gets turned around in Peter's mind. And in doing this, Jesus leaves us with this tension that we have to deal with, that we have to grapple with. That we are the wicked servant who has been forgiven of a debt that we did not have the ability to repay. Yet we have such a difficult time forgiving others in our life. Such a difficult time. And while Peter's kind of reeling from that revelation and Jesus saying the fact that you're even wanting to put a limit on it makes you the evil servant, Jesus makes it worse. Because usually his MO was to tell this story that kind of didn't make sense and people didn't really know what he meant and then just leave. Like, and let them sit within the tension of the confusion of what he had just said. But in this instance, Jesus sticks around and gives us the punchline. Like he kind of, kind of brings it home. And it's a tough one because he's like, all right, I don't want to leave any ambiguity here. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister, not just by word, but from your heart. And you know how Jesus defines forgiveness? Canceling of debt. You don't owe me anymore. You don't owe me. I recognize that you have taken something from me, but you don't owe me anymore. And you know what the implication of that last verse is? The implication is that unforgiveness carries some very significant consequences, not for the offender but for the one who has been offended. Jesus turns the whole thing around. He, he, he really, I mean, and this is really difficult for us to, to grapple with, but he turns it all around. He says, if you don't forgive from your heart, that means you're making the best possible effort that you can. I'm coming after you. you you're gonna suffer some things. And this is difficult because in this context, when we look at it and we read it and we see it like that, like that really seems like Jesus is on the wrong side. That he's choosing to support the wrong team. That he should be on the side of the person 
who is offended, but it feels like he's siding with the person who has hurt us. Well, first they hurt me. And then God says, well, just forgive them. I mean, it feels like I'm being ganged up on. Nobody seems to understand my position here. What gives? There's two big lessons that we can take from this story. The first one is this, is that you and I lost our right to not forgive at the cross. We have been forgiven of unbelievable things by God. I mean, he has literally forgiven all, for some of us, that's a lot longer, all, all, all of our sins. And in that moment in time, when that happened, our right to not forgive ended. It ended. And the thing is, is that we, to ourselves, and I, we're not doing it because we're mean, evil people, but to ourselves, we're dealing with this emotional pain and this struggle. And it's so hard to look at the source of that and make a conscious decision of, okay, you don't owe me anymore and I forgive you. And it's so difficult because we got this and we got this and got this. But if we were to take our emotional pain and the burden that we're carrying and hold it up against the cross, it evaporates quickly. It doesn't, it doesn't compare. That thing that thinks we're the exception of having to offer that forgiveness, it, it, it dissipates. And the thing is, is that Jesus always sides with the offender when it comes to forgiveness. And that's really difficult. But if, we're, if we think about it for a second, that's why we're Christians. If Jesus sided with the offended when it came to forgiveness, like it would have been all of us on the cross, not him. But Jesus continually sided with the offender and hint, 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 you and I are the offenders. But yet Jesus has sided with us. And this is how God operates. And while it's a really tough thing for us to wrap our minds around and emotionally kind of grapple with, aren't we glad that this is how God operates? Here's, here's the second truth to take from this. Forgiveness benefits not the offender who's being forgiven, but the offended. In the middle of all the chaos and the circumstances and the rawness of the emotion, it really seems like forgiveness is an exclusive gift for the offender, that they're being let off the hook. But in reality, it is primarily, if not wholly, a gift for the offended and the damaged. Because as long as there is a unhealed wound from the past, there will be side effects from it. And people that you love and are close to you will bump into it and receive the damage that you dole out in reaction to those emotions. As long as you grip on to the burning coal of anger, you will continually be burnt. Healing cannot happen. And as long as we refuse to forgive, there will be consequences in our lives. And it's as if Jesus says, 
I understand how this works. And you have to trust me. I love you too much to not (laughs) pressure you into forgiveness. I love you too much. Forgiveness benefits the forgiver. And you may never reunite with that person. And that relationship may be over forever. But you still have to cancel that debt. You have to forgive. And let's be honest, they can't pay it back anyway. You're just holding on and waiting for something that can't be given. Now, here's how this works in the context of this passage is this. Forgiveness is really about two things. It's about identifying specifically what's been taken and deciding that the person who took it does not owe it back to you any longer. And here's why this is important. Because when we, when we forgive, we tend to think of it either generally, like, okay, I just forgive you of things, or, or we think of it in the form of an event, a specific thing that happened. We're like, okay, I forgive you for doing that. But we don't connect really what it is that was taken from us. But if we want to break the negative traditions that have been handed down, we've got to spend some time really identifying specifically what was taken from us. Because until you know exactly what it is that you're owed, you can't can't forgive it. You can't cancel that debt. And when you look at that, you know, it may have been events, but some of you may, may need to realize, like, no, specifically, they took my reputation. They took being a complete family. They took having a parent that loved me the way that I see other parents love their children. And you've got to get specific. What was it that was taken from you? And once you get that into clear focus, Forgiveness says, and it's important to know that that this forgiveness isn't an emotion or a feeling. It's a decision. The forgiveness says, this is what is owed. I cancel that debt. This is what they took and they owe back to me. They don't owe me anymore. Yeah, yeah, Andy. Okay, I get it. You can make that conscious decision. You can say that, but I still have the feelings. I still have the emotions. I I know. And those are going to take time, some of them a long time to leave. But every time they appear, every time those things begin to rise inside of you, say out loud, say out loud, they don't owe me anymore. They don't owe me anymore. And some of you may be in a position to where it's the person that caused it that is causing those emotions to rise. And you may need to say it under your breath. They may wonder what's wrong with you. That's okay. (laughs) Let them wonder. But if you can do, if you can identify and when those emotions rise up, just over and over again, they don't owe me, they don't owe me, they don't owe me. Eventually, the emotions of peace and understanding will replace the emotions of hurt and loss. Okay. Well, do I have to tell them that I forgive them? Not necessarily. They may not even care. But you must forgive in 
your heart. So if you want to break the negative traditions, the damaging traditions that have been handed down through generations and generations, forgiveness is unavoidable. And it's probably one of the most difficult things that we have to do as followers of Christ. So I want to say a prayer, and I want you to, not out loud, repeat it with me, but to yourself, agree with me in this prayer. And for some of you maybe doing this right now, might almost make you sick because you're nowhere ready to say this prayer. But let it be the first step so that we can not only begin to have healing in ourselves, but that we don't pass on the negative to those around us. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, first of all, I thank you for what you did for us on the cross. For the forgiveness that has been offered us. For the cancellation of the debt that we could never repay. Father, may I take that work and respond in the only way that is appropriate and forgive those who have hurt me. Lord, they do not owe me anymore. Lord, I decide today that I will not pass on that negativeness to my family to those I love, to my children. I'm breaking the tradition today. And I'm offering forgiveness. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Look forward to next week as we finally talk about something else. (laughs)